we need to uh, uh, expose something else other than simply the usual stuff, you know, to, to get to understand, you know, how, how others might think differently, but not radically differently. Uh, we're not getting, you know, Ben Gavir to, uh, uh, to present his views here, but because it's despicable anyway, and there's no defense for it, and because it's insensitive. So bring someone, understand that there's injustice happening to Palestinians, and understand the nature of the injustice, might disagree with us about the description of the injustice, but still acknowledge it that it's massive, as all of that. And Israelis should be looking at that as a condition for being able to defend itself in, 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 in full right of self-defense. Does not is not allowed unless you redeem yourself first. So this kind of discussion, but doesn't agree with us, with the with the people, with most of the people here uh, uh, on everything. You know? And there might be significant disagreements, and that's the kind of discussion that might be. That might enrich our understanding of the world in this in these difficult times. Now, this was probably the, the error in judgment on my part, which is as, assuming too much ability on people to in, engage in that. Given that I know, I should have known that in this in this context, this would be difficult. But I thought it's an online discussion. Uh, it's an AUB. Uh, people don't like to listen to it. Can simply ignore it. Uh, uh, but that's the misjudgment. People are angry, people uh, frustrated. Some people, in my opinion, want to be heroes on the cheap because, you know, uh, preventing what you label as, what is labeled as Zionists in Lebanon is not that difficult. Huh? It's an easy task. You can do it. You can feel that you have done your, your duty towards the cause and uh, everybody is with you. If you are demonstrating in, in New York or, or Washington or Paris or London, even though there's no danger, you know, maybe limited danger of being arrested or being harassed or being this, but not major danger, at least you are demonstrating in countries where there are substantial number of people that oppose you. Huh? You have a kind of balance, let's say, if not even you are a minority, I don't know, depending on the country. But here, in Lebanon, those people are against this type of discussion. They present themselves as resisting. Resisting what? So the state is with them. The de facto power of Hezbollah is with them. The civil society is with them. The, the, the society, civil or is with them. The whole society is with them. Huh? The people, the communities are with them. Huh? Uh, the religious ones, the, un, the, the non-religious ones, all of them are, are, are with them. There is no divide. So there's no heroism in, present, in preventing something like this. It's heroism of the chief. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan.
let me just start with with what's most important nowadays, which is the what's happening now in Gaza. And of course, we all watching this, and we all shocked by the horrors uh, that are happening there. And we, many of us here, ask, uh, how come the world is not doing anything? Yeah. It's a, in the sense we are asking a moral question. In the sense, how come? A, what's supposed to be clear moral imperative to stop the uh, uh, the war is not met with a similar response in in in, in Western countries, uh, and of course this usually results in for most people in the in the claim that there are no values in the world, so the West does not have any values. Of course, maybe some people think that the West doesn't have values, but maybe others have values. Maybe China has values. Maybe Russia has values. Few of them say that. Huh? They just simply say the West doesn't have values, which results usually in saying there are no values anywhere. And it's, a, it's, a, it's basically the powerful imposing their will. And this kind of cynical views, cynical about others, that they are not moved by values, uh, and therefore... Uh, uh, values have no role to play in this world. You know, maybe you know it's not that because I I I I want values to play a role. That's why, of course, I want them to play. A role. I also think they do play a role. It's not like they don't play a role. Yet people are not driven only by values. There are many things, many noises, interests, misinformation, identity that come between. The person or society and acting on, on those values. So it's, it's, you can put it this way: we are neither angels driven by values nor saints that nothing moves. Not, we're not psychopaths or angels. Huh? We're some between. We might move sometimes towards being psychopaths when we when we engage in massacres and genocides, and we have seen this in Lebanon to a great extent. So we are not ourselves immune from that. The, mm. the massacres uh, uh, that this country has witnessed and others around us and beyond this place are abundant. So it's not like the first time we see something horrific. But if we think that there's no room for values then in the world, then why should we have values ourselves? And this becomes a, a, a really horrible uh, vision. Because people think that if you have values, you just only act on those values. Not that these values play a role in your decision, but other things can come in. You know, we all have values in the sense we don't want to see, you know, babies being killed. But we can also, or people cheating or being corrupt. But we can sometimes get seduced. You know, we think, oh, everybody in this government is corrupt. Somebody gives me a bribe. Why should I not take it? Because it's going to go for nothing. Why? At least I can uh, help my family with it. We give excuses for ourselves. We say, oh, they are bloody and they want to kill us. Why don't we kill them as well? So not because you don't have values, but you sometimes give yourself excuses. You, you make it easier for you to sin. People who sin, if you want to use a religious words, and I'm not a religious person, people who sin are not psychopaths. Sin while they're aware of it. They, they, let them, they lead themselves into kind of acting against their values. So the question is, how come, for me, how come what we see to be, what we take to be totally unacceptable morally is seen to be supported 
not only accepted but supported and not seen from the beginning as something wrong and based on that i thought because i think things are complicated especially in the context of wars and killings and i can see how others might not agree with that description other reasonable people not people who just want to de defend genocide or defend atrocities or massacres not that they are right but i don't see them as evil people who one cannot engage in discussion and i see my the other side as well you know i see the way people react to the massacres in syria and they react differently to the massacres in in gaza the same people who still not only uh, don't respond to the massacres in syria happen to Palestine, to syrian but also to happens to palestinians themselves they even some of them don't mind thanking or or praising bashar al-assad now that is i'm not giving here a, a kind of what about uh, what about assad you know if he kills then israel can kill no i'm talking about sensibilities of people how can i explain that people can genuinely be affected by the death the size of the death of children and women and other innocent civilians in Gaza, but not moved equally by the death of other Arabs, even Palestinians, say Palestinians in, in Yarmouk and other places, when it happens. Why can't people see the suffering of the Palestinians during the uh, war ca uh, uh, camp wars here in Lebanon in the, in the late, mid to late 80s, but moved by the Sabra and Shatila massacre, when the, when the numbers of killed people is not different? And that, that and this and the the, uh, the horribleness of the situation is not different. It's not because people are immoral, but one has to ask these questions. Now these are more psychological about identity, but then there's another question which is more philosophic, more about ethics. How do we judge whether a certain conduct in war or a certain war altogether is is morally unjustified? There's a history of that. And maybe if one looks at that history of that discussion, as well as the concept that emerged at the, in, in that discussion, the distinctions, maybe one can make sense of some of those who, who don't agree with us. Uh, uh, and maybe engaging with them might teach them something and teach us something about, about that. Because if you shut the door towards those who disagree with you, even when they disagree with you with something that looks to you quite obvious and significant is assuming that the others are just simply evil and one shouldn't make that assumption without due diligence without making sure you don't accuse a person of being an evil without trying to see understand research discuss now i know not all the times are times where discussion and research uh, uh, is easy but it's this time where we are shocked by the reaction that we need to ask the question what are we confronting here are we confronting simply psychopath evil people or are we confronting a, 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 a different narrative to do or a different conceptualization of the conflict or a different now i'm not talking about those who uh, 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 i'm not talking about those who are can weigh extremists no some extremist view can be considered evil now doesn't mean that those who hold them are evil themselves then you have to see how can people who are not evil hold really evil views and there's a question goes back you know 
to the Nazi era, where how come Germans, normal people, commit all these things? It's not impossible for people to, uh, 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 you know, normal people to commit heinous crimes. And that's, you know, if you read, you know, Hannah Arendt's book, The Banality of Evil, you can see, makes make sense of that situation. But another question, if others are present to you a kind of a, what they take to be a moral defense of an action, or at least a different view of the moral situation, a different moral view of the situation you're confronted with, and you are, are willing to discuss it and present it in moral lights, I think it's important that you engage with this, even though we disagree. It's important because otherwise we are not open the possibility for us to see things we haven't seen or to or to for them to see things they haven't seen. Now you can discover later that this is not a genuine discussion and people are just simply performing to defend something which is uh, undefensible. They are lawyers for a for a client they know is a is a murderer, uh, but they just want to de defend the case. But I would assume that many are not especially in the academic arena, maybe or not, maybe it depends how they approach their, their, their subject and how genuine they are. You can't judge in advance. But I think this kind of engagement is important. Remember, if you, when Sabana Shatila happened, uh, there was about 400,000 demonstrators in Tel Aviv. Huh? Uh, and when the Kahan uh, Commission that investigated the massacre. The Cannes Commission was, if I remember, composed of few judges, one of a judge, maybe two judges, one general, uh, and others. But the, the, the chief of Supreme Court was the leading the, the the investigation. And now, and the investigation came up with the with the with the conclusion that Israel is a, is responsible. For the massacre, for because they control the area. I think they, it was, so. they found indirectly. I think they indirectly responsible. Yeah. Yes, and yes. Sharon in particular yeah, yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. indirectly responsible, but responsible. And uh, if I'm not but, mistaken, he had to resign as a yes, consequence. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, uh, uh, so so uh, the finding of the commission was that the, the Israeli army was responsible, indirectly responsible, for allowing people to get to get into the camp whom they know. They, they should they have the obligation to know they, uh, to protect, and they should have known that given the history of the Lebanese civil war, that this is likely to happen. Uh, and given the situation where, you know, uh, uh, Bashir Ismail was assassinated, and uh, this is uh, something really big for, the, for, the, for, for, for that faction, and given the, all the baggage, historical baggage, and all the mutual atrocities and massacres and and the behavior of, of that those groups in the past, they should have known that. So they basically say, you are responsible, indirectly responsible. You haven't killed them. Suddenly, uh, the Israeli army have killed them, but the Israeli army did something which they should have known it would lead to this. And they hold responsible. So in a way, now, then uh, uh, the government decided to uh, not uh, kick out Sharon from the government, I think decided to relieve him of being a minister of defense and give him a, 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 a just a position without any portfolio. Huh? He and, exited uh, politics yeah. for a long time yeah, yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah. They, gave, they gave portfolio, which mm. is which is not, without, no portfolio, just, mm. just a seat in the government. Then people did not like that. And they came out 400,000 people in Tel Aviv. These are Israelis. These are not Arabs. 
marching uh, against Jews in Israel. These are 400,000 Israelis going out for the death of the estimates between 500, 400, and 1,300 or something like that. You know, so That's the estimate. It's not a small number, but definitely much less than the what we have now in uh, in Gaza. This the, this uh, this the four hundred thousand came out to protest against, but they took to be a lenient thing, and 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 uh, and, and I think there was a throw of a, of a bomb in the in the in the demonstration, and some people were injured, including a son of a minister, uh, of a, so he was demonstrating with the, against the, the now. Maybe the sequence of events is, I don't remember exactly, but the basic thing is that how can we explain the society brings um, 400,000 for a massacre uh, uh, that, that, uh, that, that, that now we are witnessing much more uh, happening, you know, on, on, on daily basis. Sorry, maybe I should correct that. It's, it's not the same thing. I mean, the massacre there was people coming in and butchering people, huh? Here, most people are killing in, in, in bombardment. Maybe people don't see a difference. Uh, but just for the description's sake, it might it's worth saying. But if Israelis are insensitive uh, to the death of people, how can we explain that they demonstrated, that 400,000 demonstrated protesting uh, the massacre in uh, in Sabra and Shatila and, and holding the Israeli government responsible for that, indirectly or directly, but responsible for that. So we have need to ask the question because this means that these are not people who are insensitive uh, to moral argumentation. No. These are not devils that we are dealing with. How come now they support the actions of the Israeli army in Gaza? Now, this is a more psychological, sociological, historical, but also moral perspective. What are the moral considerations that make you moved by something but not by something else? And here we're talking about the same thing. Death of, of Palestinians huh? and how the Israelis are, are reacting to it. And then we ask ourselves the same question. How come we are moved by the death of people in Gaza differently than the move about the death of people, the same people, Arab people in Syria? If you want to compare numbers, uh, uh, you know, there are more than a million deaths in Syria. 12 million displaced people. Half of them left Syria and half of them displaced within Syria. Thousands and thousands of documentation about tortured people who, who died under torture. Not that people did not, were not moved by it, but not by the same level we have now. I'm not saying that they should not be moved by the people now. I say they should have been moved by the people that, that before. But the question is why? What are the, our blind spots, our moral blind spots? And then I want to bring this issue about, okay, you conduct a war. Does Israel have the right to defend itself? You get this all the time in the Western media. In, in, what, in which media? The Western, West, media. Western and media. And in the discourse of Western states, they start with the right to defend itself. Does Israel have the right to defend itself? Now, we want to discuss this issue. We want to discuss it as a, from, by people who understand what is the right of self-defense is, have understanding of the rules of, uh, uh, of war, of what justifies a war, uh, uh, what is called technically use ad bellum, what are the conditions that justify somebody to defend uh, 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 himself or herself, or society to defend itself. That's a, it's a question that is, has a history, has a 
complexity in it? What justifies self-defense? That's one question. Is, does Israel have a right of self-defense? And usually nobody around discusses this. Huh? They simply, it's not clear to us, those who oppose Israel, uh, oppose the action of Israel, are against self-defense or against this way of self-defense. It's worth investigating. Maybe you will conclude that Israel has no right of self-defense. Given what's happened to the Palestinians, they only have, they only get this right after they restore justice. Huh? So if you stole my, to give a silly example, you stole my uh, uh, laptop and I chase you and hold you and drag you to the ground to get my laptop, you don't have the right to defend yourself. You have to, you can have the right to defend yourself only after giving me back my laptop. If I continue beating you up, maybe uh, you can have, say, okay, that's it. You know, I give you that. But I don't have the right to defend myself. So some people think Israel doesn't have the right to defend itself. It's a complicated question. But then the question is, does Israel have the right to defend itself in this way? Now, most people say no. But I would like to hear somebody who would say yes. Genuine argumentation. Not because I can see how, how, how that person can convince me, but I would like to see how that person thinks. And maybe would there be some elements that might affect the way I see the situation? Not to the, effect this, to the extent that I would agree with that person, but at least I can. The, my, my moral vision would become more nuanced and sophisticated. Let me, let me give an example of how this discussion can be quite interesting. And not only things are black and white and clear, there is no discussion. Any discussion about it is as if we are discussing, okay, is it okay to have slaves now? Uh, uh, this, uh, now, that people say, we don't have discussions about these things. Uh, is it okay to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, execute the gays and lesbians? Of course, we don't, want, we don't invite people to have these discussions anymore now. So there are limits to discussions, of course. But then this is a... Uh, uh, something which is not as easy. Some of it is not so clear. First of all, the one thing I mentioned, which is that they have the right of self-defense. Do they have the right to defend themselves against the attack in October 7th? Should they just simply uh, do nothing and accept people to come and butcher them because they are unjust occupiers? What, what do unjust occupiers do? What rights? Do they have no rights? And therefore, they should be allowed to be killed without uh, any response? That's not an easy question. Nobody has answered. It's not clear to us. Oh, of course. If you ask me, do people, should people have the right to have own slaves? No, of course not. I mean, there's no, there's no uh, uh, ifs about it. But if I ask, do the Israeli have to simply surrender to the people attacking them and that's it? I don't think anybody has given this up. No. Huh? Even if they say they deserve it because they, they occupy, but they say, okay, but do you think that the right defending themselves is wrong? that they should simply uh, see, see others killing them and they should do nothing because they are guilty, doesn't look that easy. Huh? Not, not similar to the, to the, to the case of, of owning slaves. So some, some, some discussions are still interesting to hold. And then the question is, suppose they have the right of self-defense. What would be the kind of uh, uh, military action they would take, and what kind of death toll they are allowed to inflict on the enemy. Not only the enemy combatants, but also the enemy civilians. Is there, is there, is there a, 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 an infliction of, of death that is, that is justifiable as self-defense? If the whole operation would have caused five deaths of civilians, would that be okay? Or even five 
civilians is not justified because you're killing civilians. Five, five children, let's say, uh, it's not justified. You can, you can see their photos and you can see how horrible this is and their parents devastated by this. So you might say, okay, if they have the right of self-defense, what right do they have? When does it become unacceptable Israel to continue fighting after killing 100, 500, 1,000, 5,000? Of course, the more you get, the more becomes unbearable and unacceptable. What, is, there a, is there a measure of, or, or Israel have no right to kill anybody that's not a combatant? So these questions are important to evaluate the action. And this is what I thought to bring people and this was, the event was the first of a series of events huh, by people of different views on this. The next speaker was supposed to be somebody who has, a professor in Oxford, who has signed a letter with a group of professors in Oxford calling for, calling on Rishi Sunak and Starmer, uh, the uh, head of the opposition, leader of opposition, to call for a ceasefire immediately. So these are the people who are asking for what, all of us are asking, most of us are asking, people here are asking, to have a ceasefire. And it was supposed to come next in the, uh, in the uh, and I have to cancel this as well, because I would think that now there is assumption that, you know, I'm going to, I mean, I'm bringing these, you know, defenders of Israel, even if I'm bringing somebody, unless I bring, you know, somebody who is like, clearly, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, has a, non-academic with a profile of, I want to bring academics that people don't know here. And those academics actually don't have fixed views on these things. They update their views. Sometimes uh, uh, people write on world ethics who write sometimes about current affairs, they say, oh, we accept the, this war that Israel done, but not that one. This action, but not that action. So it's much more nuanced that. Or we accept resistance in this way, but not in that way. So it's not something that people have a fixed position. That's like I'm, I'm a pro-Palestinian and pro-Israeli uh, pro all the way, you know, no matter what happens. So people don't know the position of these people. So you have to kind of present them as, you have to, give, you have to, have to uh, uh, assure people, this guy is not going to say anything that is, you, you don't ag agree with, which is very difficult because if you want to bring discussion, you're going to bring people who dis you disagree with. You want to hear people you disagree with to a certain limit. You don't want to hear people defending slavery, but you want to hear people saying something different than what you hold, uh, and not necessarily join the chorus uh, and sing the same song. Academically, this is not fruitful, it's boring, uh, and it doesn't really enrich your understanding of the world. The reaction in, in Israel and the West was this unprovoked attack. And of course, the response that this was not unprovoked attack, it was, there's a history to it. There's a context. These people have been subject to injustice for a long time. So you can't say it's unprovoked. It's provoked. I'm saying that what differs if it wasn't, what, what would be the difference if it wasn't provoked? Let's assume another scenario where the attacks was not provoked. What would be the victim of such attack? What do they have? What rights do they have to, uh, to respond? Of course, they have that to defend themselves because the attack is unprovoked. There's no history of injustice. They go in and want to eliminate the militias that did this attack. Because the militia not only did this attack and said last time, they said, no, we are going, uh, this is how we operate. Uh, so uh, 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 don't think that this is the end of it. Uh, we're coming back to you. So they have the right to defend themselves and they have the right to eliminate that militia. Now here we're talking about 
different scenario than, than the Israeli Arab Supremacy Conflict. Totally unprovoked. So they go in. How much? And they have to shell and bomb and move inside condensed area. Let's assume the same thing in Gaza. How much? How many people are they allowed to take it as collateral damage in this? Do they allow them to kill as much as? Of course, they try to minimize killing. Let's assume, huh? but they have to kill because it's a condensed area. I'm sure that an unprovoked attack, defending against unprovoked attack, you are allowed to do more than if you're defending against an attack that has been a result of past injustice. And if they're defending, it says in a context where they've committed injustice in the past, how does this restrain their action? And to what extent? You might say we don't need to get into this in this argumentation. It's clear uh, that this number is uh, ten thousand is unacceptable. We might agree on that. But then the question is, what would be acceptable? Uh, if they stop at five thousand, that would be acceptable. Most people say no. That one thousand would be acceptable. Five hundred would be acceptable. Now, what if somebody thinks ten thousand is not unacceptable? Unless you have an argument for where you draw some line, or what, what are the considerations for judging whether this is too much or not? It's an interesting question. It's not an easy answer. If the answer was easy, that, that straightforward, then we could just simply say there's no point of getting scholars to debate about something which is so obvious. Huh? We don't bring scholars to debate slavery, whether we should have slaves or not. That's, again, I go back to slavery, because people say that some things, debating them, is wrong in itself. And I agree some stuff. Uh, and this depends on the context. If I teach, uh, uh, you know, homosexuality, ethics of homosexuality, is there something wrong with homosexuality? Here, I, I do this when I teach my ethics courses. I give as one, one of the examples. I give several examples. One is about poverty, because uh, I like to know how how uh, how is it justifiable for us to live in a world where people are dying as a result of not having access to basic needs? Is that is that our li our lifestyle is justified when we are living in that way? The other one is war, the ethics of war. And the one is because I add something relevant to our region about homosexuality. Is there something wrong with homosexuality? Because I know the context here is not, uh, there's a debate about this matter. And these all, sorry, these all under, fall under ethics. These are just different. Yeah, I'm, so, you yeah. can ask any question about, I think a question about something. You can ask question about whether you should eat meat. Huh? You can ask question, we should use your car. Whether you should. So, but, I, but this ethical, this ethical question of like, is it morally justified? Is it is something morally wrong with being homosexual? Right? And sorry, just to go back to the beginning, you were mentioning the, uh, the beginning more uh, along the lines of value. Yes. Are, do these, are these synonymous? Uh, ethics and values? Well, yeah, I mean, that, you have values that are not ethical, you know, aesthetic values are not ethical, whether something is, a, whether a painting is is elegant uh, or or have a nice, good composition or whether, a, 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 you know, a dancer is, yeah. is is graceful or something. That's 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 not an, an uh, that's evaluative. You can say this movie is boring. That's not ethical, ethical judgment of the movie, mm. but mm. it's an aesthetic judgment of the movie. So, so you have value judgment are not ethical, but... Of course, all ethical judgment are judgment of value. You are making a value judgment on on, on the thing, right. but it doesn't yeah. exhaust all value, okay. all, all values. Yeah. You can you can say, oh, this is uh, uh, you know an elegant proof of a certain theorem. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a value judgment on the on the on the on the, on the proof, but that, that doesn't but that doesn't it's not a, it's not a moral value. So, okay, so, I see. Yeah. yeah. So oh, mo morality goes more into ethics. Yeah, morality and ethics are I use them as synonymous. Synonymous. Some I people, see. Some people make difference out of them. I don't think there's a reason to. Okay. The, sometimes for a particular purposes, people want to make a distinction, but I think I I usually many people treat them yeah. the same way. So in a way, when I teach, you know, back to that, when I teach homosexuality here, because I know there is a debate, huh? there's a discussion here about some people in my classes don't like approve homosexuality, some do. Yeah. And this has been changing, by the way, through the years, how the percentages. But I present this case because I know there is a debate in my society about this. There's discussion here. And I want people to be clear about all the relevant considerations and, you know, give time to express each view and then go into, into it. I have my own... Answer, of course, my, but I, I try to avoid imposing it, but I still you know, engage in argumentation and allow the students to engage in argumentation. Of course, I am in favor of giving uh, you know, homosexuals full rights to be treated and behave and live like heterosexuals in both sexes. But I think this is a worthy of this discussion. I like and, that you just, I like the way you outlined that. You have your own conviction. And it does match, I think, what a lot of AUB students, and I would say probably the majority today, believe in too. And that you have an opinion that reflects, I think, a changing mood anyway in society. But you're, but you're not interested in sharing that. You're interested in constructive debate with or without that opinion. Yeah. So, so in a way, uh, I mean, I, I, I've seen a change, in, in not in society, I would say. I've seen change in AUB students. That's better yeah. said, yeah. Because Sorry. When, when I go to my village yeah, with that's... the same age group and I ask them the same question, the same age group I have in my a, a class in AUB, I don't see that change. So the change is, is, is among uh, uh, people who are more exposed to Western, they're more Westernized in that sense. Yeah. Uh, because as, after all, let's not kid ourselves, the demand for gay rights and uh, 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 lesbian right is coming mainly from West and adopted also by 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 people outside that. But it's a, the main drive. The countries are leading in in uh, 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 achieving that kind of 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 of, of just, sexual. Just justice. to go a bit further on the tangent, I'll and I'll I'll bring it back. Uh, I think the politics of it have been imported, but the. Uh, the demand for yes. tolerance. No no, 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 no. I'm not saying that that, that it's it is invented. There is, yeah. yeah, that, I'm, yeah. Not saying, I'm saying that those who think that we should protect, should give rights to gays and lesbians, uh, must admit that the battle was fought first in Western countries, right. and now we we are we are fighting the same battle, right. and we are using the achievements there as a ground for. for I'm not saying yeah. that. It's an invented problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But, but but some people might say it is, but, you know, I, I you know. my point was not about the issue of homosexuality aside, but that if I was teaching this course in the West, in the UK or the US or Australia, I wouldn't include homosexuality mm. in the list mm. because there, more or less, the debate has been settled. Yeah. And this shows in the laws huh? they have enacted. Huh? There's, in the, it's legally, you cannot discriminate against gays and lesbians. You don't, th you don't think it would still be worth pursuing as a discussion anyway, even when the, the 
the yeah, case has been. And, and if somebody is, if somebody says, okay, I want to discuss this, and I wrote in a paper on this, uh, defending as a one, I can choose a paper to write on topic, yeah. and somebody student even in the UK decides to write on uh, against homosexuality. I, would, I mean, I, more I, like I, I it's would, like an intellectual exercise, not. not yes, uh, not, I, I would not. I would not say no, 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 not allowed. Yeah, of course, but I wouldn't choose a topic that is being settled. Okay, uh, I see. Uh, so. Now, do we think that it's settled in the world how we evaluate the Gaza war? In the world. Maybe it's settled, but, in, but there's a debate in the world about it. Huh? Hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting. Huh? There's this agreement, at least. And each side says it's outrageous what happened. Hmm. The Israelis are going around the world showing the, uh, the, the uh, 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 edited movie of the atrocities of... of and we, we, Jazeera and others showing the, the other side. And they claim that they have a right. It's worth discussing. What are the limits of that right? What are the limits of the Israelis defending against the attack? What are the limits Palestinians, the victims, the original victims, defending their cause? Are there limits to what a an, what an, uh, uh, victim can do to the victimizer? Are there limits to what the victimizer can respond to something that the victim done beyond the boundaries of what the victim should be allowed to do. If we think that is, uh, even here in this part of the world, there are people who say what Hamas did was heroic, was great. We give Ba'lawas next day. And some people think, no, 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 it's not uh, 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 good. Maybe these are minorities, but still, you know, but is that is also not justified in, in the response. Now, is there a debate here? Is part of what what goes into that debate is being has been looked at by those kinds of philosophers of of, of war. Huh? Philosophy of war is not a justification for killing. It's actually asking under what conditions and what circumstances you're allowed to use violence and what are the limits of that violence. And it's a rich discussion and has been evolving, especially in the last 20 years, that, 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 that theory of uh, what's called just war theory. And the whole point of that series, which started by the council, which was supposed, was supposed to be started by the council, was to... Oh, that was the first. That, that was the first. It wasn't announced as a series, but it was meant yeah. to be series. already had booked two people oh, you, okay, uh, yeah. uh, uh, which I'm coming to cancel now and maybe some later yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe some maybe some later time I will just yeah. initiate something which I should which we should maybe when when mm. uh, things are calmer yeah. people can reflect on things uh, uh, but that's the idea the idea is to bring out these types of questions uh, in a context that in an academic context uh, but it's not only for academics it's meant to address a question that's pertinent to everybody. But of course, the type of discussion, of course, and for it's in English, and it's going to be a bit technical in some in, in some form because mm -hmm. the, the just war theory can get pretty technical in that sense. You know, mm -hmm. so it might be we try to avoid that in this series because it's open to the public. But the idea is to contribute to that understanding about something which is not settled. Even if there's a risk that he might have said something we all don't accept, huh? what happens if you if you have the situation is not you're not taking a huge risk. You can this this you can always respond, you can always object, you object strongly, 
reject in a discussion and say, no, that's not acceptable. It's not like you are, nobody will die as a result of that. Uh, the harm to our ears of hearing that, that is, is not, the risk of hearing something we don't like is not, is a lesser risk than the risk of not, of, of suppressing freedom of speech. So that it's not like you're certain this person is going to say these things, just in case, uh, I, I'm not going to allow you to talk, just in case you say something which, are, which, is, not, uh, uh, which is not acceptable. That kind of risk-averse behavior to something they don't like to hear is unhealthy. Huh? There's some risk that might, if, that might, I listen to hear something which I don't like, but there's also a chance that I may hear something which is interesting, I haven't heard before, engage constructively with you. Now, we want to get some indications about the speaker. I tried to assure my colleagues, some of them were objecting that this person is not going to say something what you are thinking about. They're not going to justify the killing of babies, of course, nor the actions of Israel as it is happening now. Let me say something about the speaker so that you say the profile. He described himself as, if I want to describe him, he's a, what you take your, what you now have as a typical current leftist Jewish professor. And these have, this type of people, for some time, they have been very critical of Israel, especially Israel under Netanyahu. So these are the ones who are putting pressure on the American government not to support Netanyahu government. So this is the kind of uh, uh, the, 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 the leftist Jewish, Jew, Jewish... In DC terms, like the J Street, J Street type yeah, of yeah, think tank. Yes, yeah. So the J Street type people. Yeah. Also the J Street are not all one sure. uh, uh, manifesto. But they have, I, I know this word may not be complimentary, but the peaceniks. The, yeah, peaceniks sometimes. Well, an American Jewish philosopher, yeah, exactly. but, but, but lumped. It's, it's in the in the not Israelis, but Jewish. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and they take it themselves that this is good for Israel and for the Arabs to 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 stop supporting Israel the way it is behaving now. So, so he belongs to that kind of camp in general. Now, these people would would if you ask you are you Zionist or not, most of them simply say, yeah, of course, I think there should be a state of Israel should stay. But they distinguish themselves, and this is what he describes. He says, I'm not a radical Zionist. I'm not anti-Zionist. I'm a moderate Zionist or pragmatic Zionist. So by this, he understands this to be that, okay, Israel, the, the, the abolition of Israel is not something we accept. No? The one-state solution is very unrealistic, given the level of hatred between the two communities, which we see now manifested. Putting them together in one state with equal weight or whatever, it will it will result in civil war. It will be a war first of birth rates, if you're going to have democracy, who has more kids. And of course, now we have the Orthodox Jews and all of that, they also to having kids. And so it's becoming a war of birth rates and then turns out at some point might turn out to a real war. Huh? So and 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 think of a demo, think of a democratic politics. We know that from Lebanon, and we don't hate each other as much as we don't have a past bloody history as much as we do have actually quite a bit of it. And it's, you might have something way worse if you suddenly move into a one-state solution. Then these people accept, make this argument. So the one-state solution is not realistic. Eliminating Israel is not re, is not acceptable. Huh? Or, uh, uh, it will also disastrous huh? to you. The only solution is a two-state solution. So they tend to favor a two-state solution, their anti-settlement expansion, 
and they want to reverse some of the expansion that happened in the in the past, especially in the last 20 years. And they uh, uh, they are in favor of uh, maybe some of them might say Jerusalem as a peace Jerusalem state uh, capital state. And they think they accept the injustices happened to the Palestinians in the past, including at the establishment on the of the of the Israel. So acknowledging this guy acknowledges that there are about 800, 700,000 were displaced by Israel, and that is an injustice that has to be dealt with. He doesn't say that it has been dealt with only by right of return. It could be dealt by compensation. So that's the that, that's the because right of return is another way of creating the same problem of. Now, we might disagree with him on the right of return and compensation, but at least this is the position. Two-state solution, uh, against the settlement, uh, East Jerusalem is a capital of the Palestinian state, it includes Gaza and uh, West Bank, and that's the kind of vision, which is not outrageous. You might disagree with it, you might accept it, it's not outrageous at all. It is part of the mainstream Arab societies, including the 2000 2002 uh, Arab League summit summit which yeah. had everybody approve it, including the Syrian regime at the time. Yeah. And all of the, so S it's signed here. Yeah, signed here. So it's not like something which is we see as unacceptable. Huh? Uh, the, some people object to it in the sense that Israel did not leave a room for it by what it did since that time. But could I play just play with this a bit? It, does it really matter what he thinks or how he feels about? Uh, his own identity. The man is an American Jewish philosopher. He's not Israeli. And he's been tasked with a philosophy examination of war ethics with a case study that's of an issue that matters to all of us. I don't think it even matters how he feels. I mean, he, he has the right to make bad decisions too and still be invited to talk. The talk that he was supposed to present, he sent a copy to me since that event was canceled. And I knew what he was going to say in general uh, because he discussed that with him because I want to know, have some idea about it. And I know the writings of that person, he's a sophisticated philosopher, yeah. and he's also a professor of law as well. So he's, uh, uh, you know, well-versed in these in this, in this topics. And of course, but you can, we can have all kinds of views. And then I wanted to see what, what his approach because I know the audience here and I want some something which is sensitive to the audience. Mm. Not something that the audience would agree with. Uh, I don't want something, somebody comes and says whatever the people here say will say. That that will not be interesting. But somebody who disagrees, yeah. but sensitive to that. Not a Norman the, Finkelstein type of... Yeah, or, you bring or, Norman Finkelstein or they will clap. Uh, want something, you know, to, great, to be exposed, to see how, to, to be challenged, to challenge them and to be challenged by them. So, but I don't want something so totally insensitive to the, to yeah, the perception. Absolutely, so, absolutely. so, and this person, in his talk, and I read, he wants he addresses the question like this: Given that Israel has committed all these injustices in the past to the Palestinians, what kind of right does it have to defend itself against October seventh, and in what way? So he pressed with that premise, hmm. uh, not with the premise of we we are uh, uh, have a clean sheet and those barbarians hmm. attacked us. Uh, yeah, he he says no, we have done the injustice to the Palestinians, and now we have done. What Palestinians did to us is unacceptable in October 7th. What can we respond in light of the fact that we have caused them injustice in the past? So uh, may we I... continue to do that. He, he, he thinks that the injustice in the past, before this war, was mainly in the West Bank and not in Gaza. That's his, that's, he, he thinks that, see, that, that the blockade in Gaza is a result of Hamas actions. 
that's the narrative he gives, but he thinks that what's the injustices that happen in the Palestinians are mainly and quite substantially in the West Bank because they are taking land for so, no justification. So this reference that he makes about himself as yeah. a moderate Zionist, yeah. is that simply just the way he described himself earlier to a different audience? Yeah, and was, I don't know, they, they have some posts yeah. Uh, connection to a discussion. I haven't looked at the Facebook. Right. Because, uh, you know, on Facebook, you're responding to someone. Yeah. Maybe you're responding to another Israeli who's, who's uh, responding to another uh, Palestinian, maybe responding right. to a colleague. So he, he was trying to redefine Zionism on his terms, which I think is how most American Jewish philosophers would probably identify themselves too. So it's a matter of trying to find the right appropriate voice in that camp to best reflect that position. But was there any moment on your side where you saw that and felt that this could lead to a outrageous backlash? Did you ever see something? Yes, I didn't see that those posts. I know about his views. If I saw those posts, I would have maybe thought of, uh, that's not okay. Uh, that's going to be mis- mis- misread by people here, right? Yeah? But, so you, but you had no indication of that prior, prior because I know his views. His views are not. Uh, yeah, uh, you won't label them Zionists if you read them. Uh? Yeah, uh, uh, or moderate Zionists. I, I mean, I would. I understand what moderate Zionist means, and I understand that many people in Israel, the peaceniks in Israel, are not anti-Zionist. Some of them are anti-Zionist. Uh? And he's like, not. He's, he's an American yeah. Jewish philosopher. Yeah. So it's he's, it's an American's. Uh, understanding of that word, yeah. but 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 let me give you an example of another. But, yeah. Sure, I'll go. I just need one one thing. Was it all smooth sailing in your mind? No, another, no. So there was hesitation. No no. no, no, it wasn't smooth sailing. I knew that I was presenting something. Uh, uh, something controversial. Okay. Uh, something that is not people say. Oh, because I know the atmosphere. The atmosphere now is. We don't want to hear anything other than, you know. But I thought, and maybe that was my mistake, is I thought that we need to uh, uh, expose something else other than simply the usual stuff, you know, to, to get to understand, you know, how, how others might think differently, but not radically differently. Uh, we're not getting, you know, Ben Gavir to, uh, uh, to present his views here. Because it's despicable anyway, and there's no defense for it, and because it's insensitive. So bring someone, understand that there's injustice happening to Palestinians, and understand the nature of the injustice, might disagree with us about the description of the injustice, but still acknowledge it, that it's massive, it's all of that. And Israelis should be looking at that as a condition for being able to defend itself in, 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 in full right of self-defense does not, is not allowed unless you redeem yourself first. So this kind of discussion, but doesn't agree with us, with the, with the people, with most of the people here uh, uh, on everything. You know? And there might be significant disagreements. And that's the kind of discussion that might be, that might enrich our understanding of the world in, this, in these difficult times. Now, this was probably the, the error in judgment on my part, which is as, assuming too much ability on people to in, engage in that. Given that I know, I should have known that in this in this context, this would be difficult. But I thought it's an online discussion. Uh, it's an AUB. Uh, people don't like to listen to it, can simply ignore it. Uh, uh, but that's the misjudgment. People 
are angry, people uh, frustrated. Some people, in my opinion, want to be heroes on the cheap because, you know, uh, preventing what you label as, is labeled as Zionists in Lebanon is not that difficult. Huh? It's an easy task. You can do it. You can feel that you have done your, your duty towards the cause and uh, everybody is with you. If you are demonstrating in, in New York or, or Washington or Paris or London, even though there's no danger, you know, maybe limited danger of being arrested or being harassed or being this, but not major danger. At least you are demonstrating in countries where there are substantial number of people that oppose you. Huh? You have a kind of balance, let's say. Not even you are a minority, I don't know, depending on the country. But here in Lebanon, those people are against this type of discussion. They present themselves as resisting. Resisting what? So the state is with them. The de facto power of Hezbollah is with them. The civil society is with them. The, the, the society, civil or is with them. The whole society is with them. Huh? The people, the communities are with them. Huh? Uh, the religious ones, the, un, the, the non-religious ones, all of them are, are, are with them. There is no divide. So there's no heroism in, present, in preventing something like this. It's heroism on the cheap. In that, in that, in, in that way. So why I thought, this is maybe that's that that's my mistake. Heroism on the cheap is very attractive, especially if you feel unable to do much other than that. It becomes a way to vent out your, you know, being paralyzed to some extent. Uh, paralyzed not only about Palestine, but paralyzed about your country, paralyzed about everything around you. So this comes an occasion where you unleash your powers against, in this case, the totally powerless. Uh, so I'm not an empowered person in that context. I'm taking a risk by, present, by getting this person. Uh, turns out to be the wrong kind of you know, maybe I take too much risk, took too much risk in that. But I'm not a, a, somebody that you have to bring your courage to resist in Lebanon. No? Uh, so in that sense, there's no courage in it. And of course, that alone that I was trying to do something which is not against the interest of this, the people in the, in the, who are going to listen to it. There's a chance to respond, to interact, presenting somebody who has a level of sensitivity to the views and the conditions of the people in this region, especially the Palestinians. So, in a way, it wasn't uh, something which is done simply to create controversy. I didn't want to create controversy. I wanted to have interesting discussion, but I was aware it might create some controversy. I wasn't aware it would go that far. I'm not avoiding controversy, but I'm not doing it because of the controversy. I do things that are not controversial at all in my work. Huh? I've done, you know, like we've done workshops on teaching ethics in schools. And we brought teachers from all kinds of schools, huh? from Mabarat, from public school, from to do how to teach values like, you know, honesty. And uh, because the existing curriculum in Lebanon is very primitive in that respect, so we want to encourage that. So it's not like 
the only thing that interests me, I guess in teaching ethics in schools more than actually discussing ethics of war, because I think ethics in schools is very important, because uh, that's where you build the base. But, but you also want to do things that are on the edge of things, that create, create a discussion among people who, uh, 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 you know, they might disagree with some of the views presented. And this is one case, and one important case, because we live in a region, we have lots of wars, but we have limited understanding of the moral complexities of wars. And there's a big literature that is actually quite interesting and important. And why not expose to us to it, especially that we're going through this difficult time of how can we understand why the world is not doing something towards Israel that's going on and on and killing Palestinians. This is a question that requires understanding how people, other people think to understand how come they don't do anything. Is there something that makes us understand? Is there something really there or just simply they are evil people? And that's a question that you can only know if you expose yourself to what they say. At least some of them who appear to us as reasonable. Huh? Now, of course, this, in the case of this guy is not approving of, 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 of but, the, but the moral complexity he brings in might make us understand why others might see it differently. Not in the case of that person, but the person, but that guest would have brought in the complexities of that discussion, and people will be aware of certain things that are have not thought about before. Uh, I see this as my uh, duty as a professor who does ethics, as a citizen, as somebody who cares about violence and the impact it has on people's lives, so people can think about these things and reflect on them so they can take a position when, when such things happen that are informed, sensitive, and uh, 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 you know, aware of the complexities. So, so in, in a way, that was the whole point of it. But again, I tell you, maybe it was the wrong time. Maybe I have, maybe, maybe. But that doesn't mean that the people who canceled it were not wrong. My judgment about them that they are wrong is not, uh, uh, you know, changed, has not changed. They are, I'm not justifying their action by saying that I, maybe the timing was wrong. The timing was wrong because I didn't expect this kind of reaction. Not that it's totally surprising, but I wasn't expecting it uh, to, to go that far. I should have, but not be, not because I think the reaction was justified I've known you in an academic uh, way more longer than in a friendly way but I've known you for nearly 20 years I've been running into you for about two decades whether it's on the streets of Hamra or literally on campus or even and this is going back now some 15 years ago roughly uh, having you be one of my supervisors for my master's degree so I got to know you better and it sickened me to see AUB students or the community or whatever eagerly chanting your name and that you're a Zionist. It felt so, you're saying cheap, and it's, it's almost like a heroically, what was the phrase you used? A cheap heroism? Is that right? A cheap heroism is maybe happening all the time for every single cause 
that every student at some point believes in and they think that they're doing something about it. That's I'll take cheap heroism. I think I may even fall prey to that sometimes in believing I'm doing the right thing uh, when it could be more selfish. That wasn't cheap heroism. That was slander. That's demeaning. That's accusatory. And you said it already. That phrase in Lebanon, even though we throw it around, because it maybe, like you said, widens the audience. Uh, it's not just that. That's a that's bordering violence. And there are chants where having your name cursed or almost canceled and then a Hamas leader's name elevated in the same context, that is, you can't, it's intolerable. It has no place at AUB. So I will push back. The timing is bad because this war is happening. There's a reason why you would want to pursue this kind of series, and that's the first of others. It's not your uh, fault that the war started a month ago, a month and a half ago, and you're trying to make sense of it. So no, the timing has nothing to do with you. I think it would be a disservice if you weren't trying to push academia as far as it can go at AUB, because that's what I associate you with. And I think that's the flexibility of someone in your shoes in that you're a popular professor and people, I think, expect to learn from you, not to be massaged. Now, whether or not that guest is the right guest and whether or not students are happy with the guest's choice, there are so many other ways to protest that. You could even protest it during the conference itself. It could actually reach a point where the guest opts out. And you know what? Fine. If students are unhappy, let them express it. By the way, let's miss one, one, one correction. The objection, the main objection initially comes not from students, from colleagues. Well, let's not, go there not, then. Not in philosophy department. Some, some, one of them in philosophy, but most of them were from other departments. So you, you, so. you correct me as, as I say it. So I saw videos of students, yes. what seemed like student chants. Yeah. But you're saying colleagues are the ones that. So, so what happened is that when you, when you do an event in AUB, you send it to the list of professors. We have a list in AUB that includes all the professors and all the instructors and all those who teach in AUB. So you send the uh, uh, announcement, and some people decide to have the right to say something. Mm. And some people started objecting uh, to the... Uh, and I started responding to the objections, mm. uh, explaining and explaining and all of that. And then the tone starts to, to increase. Uh, they found these quotes somewhere, some of them were racist. I mean, as moderate Zionist, and, and say, okay. So, sorry, this is within the AUB chain. Chain, this is, chain of list web professors. Right. So this is not public information. Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you know the, the, the echo chamber started to become louder and louder, and people started to say, "We want to cancel this. We need to for protesting against this. Shame on you." Stuff like that. So some people sending you know photos of rockets and stuff like that. You know the Israeli rockets. So it becomes more like a, as if you know that's. Part, this part of inviting this person is just part of the effort to, to kill civilians uh, in Gaza. And sorry, so, Bashar, sorry, these are colleagues? Colleagues, not in the same field, but these are colleagues in general. They are, they are people who teach mm. uh, uh, in, mm. in AUB in some capacity or, or, or yeah. another. And 
And as I have explained, and you know, I respond to some of the emails that I felt are addressing important issues and points. So I try to respond to some of them. I didn't respond to most of the, most of them because I didn't have time. And you know, I felt that some few were supportive, but not, not many were participating. I don't. I haven't counted the money. The money. Maybe most were silent. Some of those participating might, you know, were, were were supportive. Some were, were actually participating in the in the uh, in the echo chamber in the in the cause. And, you know, and I gave my opinion. And then it started to leak into the social media and to mm. the student uh, clubs. And mm. those, so, so I don't know which clubs, Palestinian Culture Club or the South Club or whatever, you know. But it leaked to the, to the students. So that's meant to be a private chain. That's not uh, something that anyone can access. I could not no. get into that. No, no, no. So it's, there is it, a deliberate yeah, lookout. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. They, they, they said to the students, look, this guy is bringing this. Let's do something about yeah. it. Who did it? I don't know. But but obviously, so the students not even privy to the discussion yeah. that happened. Mm. Not to my responses, not to the... They just sent this post that he has uh, Facebook or Twitter. Mm. He's a moderate Zionist, pragmatic Zionist. And then it went crazy. Uh, so uh, that kind of... Uh, it's not like the students were part of a discussion. It's not like I was giving a class and I said, okay, I'm going to bring this guest and explain that, what the guest is going to say, and the students say no. No, the students just simply heard that a Zionist is invited to give a so talk. So it's even worse. Yeah. It's not a stu- It's not student-originated. Or- no, uh, no. So this is, I mean, I, I'm overstepping maybe, but is there, hmm, since it spiraled out of control very quickly, there was no proactive sort of clean this up quick and so that you don't end up being the the target of these protests. Was there any real sort of support from you for you? Because this is clearly the wrong way to handle internal yeah. affairs. Yeah. There was there was a support in the sense that the administration the, agreed with me or they themselves were saying we should not cancel in the beginning uh, mm-hmm. the event. Mm. Not cancel. And I thought to myself, better not to cancel. Why? Because the accusations are that this guy is going to come and defend the genocide in Gaza. And I know they're not going to do that. So if we cancel, the accusation stands that as if we're accused of something and I withdrew because the accusation is right. The only way to 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 to, to respond is to have the event. Mm. People will, will hear what the person is saying. Uh, and then I can say to people, look, guys, go and listen to the recording. Uh, yeah. You have it there. Yeah. It, it, uh, if, you, if you think it's wrong, you can talk later. But this is the recording. Mm-hmm. I'm, not talking about, I'm not speculating about what he will say, but we'd have said it. Anyway, we're going to be accused of something. Might as well have an evidence against it mm-hmm. rather than leave it hanging as a speculation. And I think more people would be curious about the upcoming series. This yeah, would have actually yeah, generated... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it might... it might it, We can start the discussion. People will yeah. go and listen to that episode and see what kind of discussion and understand that it's not what people are talking, what, yeah. what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So in, this was mine. But then things escalate to the extent where there were threats. I would not know the nature of the threats to the university, but there were threats, and there were threats to me. Because when you shout... Sahiyuni, Sahiyuni, Bashar Sahiyuni, and you know, Allah Bhayyim, Muhammad Dev, you don't feel reassured. Uh, you don't feel, okay, that's, that's a nice bunch, you know, that people. Yeah. Of course, I don't think EV students will actually 
kill or harm severely because I think they care quite a bit about their future, uh, uh, academic future and work employability future. So they, they want to demonstrate without much cost to them, which is good for me. I, I, I feel safe that they don't want to ruin their, their future. But, but they might get outside and it got outside and started getting you know, threatening messages. Mm. So uh, people starting to call me from all over the place, Bashar, are you safe? Initially, I wasn't so worried as much as the game when people are, so you were seeing these footages, please leave Lebanon, here we have a place for you in Paris, here was a place for you in San Francisco, leave to this, leave to that. So people starting leave now, some of the friends said, please, please, Bashar, leave now, because it looks like what they have been seeing in their mind is something serious, and therefore it might lead to someone, especially in this context of Gaza, huh? that people might say, I, you know, you know, I cannot do anything. And this, this, this person who is Zionist here next to me, you know. I, no, I mean, I think that says actually something else, which is it just shows you how, how there's uh, this very rich, deep support network that's informal and you're, uh, you're loved among many here and abroad. And I think anyone who wants the best interest for you would offer their home even if it's literally down the street from where you are. So I think that's a good thing. Net, that's a net positive. But trying to look back, this all spilled out of control within a few hours. Yeah. So this is one day, and I think it's it was a Thursday. It was a Friday. So on a Friday afternoon, sort of out of nowhere, there's all of this commotion, and the event is canceled. AUB issues a statement, and putting the onus on security threats that they're receiving... But it felt, and this is this is my view. You may not share it. You could even tell me I'm wrong if, if, if you feel this way. It felt like it wasn't supportive enough of one of its own. It, it felt, this is my feeling. It's not your, I know may, I may be overstepping here, but my immediate reaction was, fine, if you want to cancel the event, cancel the event. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Cancel it. Fine. But at least be more proactive in saying, Bashar Haidar is AUB. And I, I felt like there was this sort of acquiescence to the voices chanting slogans. And it felt like AUB was retreating, which is always a bad sign. Retreat when one of its own is being accused of things that are slanderous, there's incitement, and there's a faculty who's afraid. Forget whether or not it would ever turn into violence. And I share your sentiment. I don't think any student would touch you, Bashar. And I don't think, this is my gut feeling, I don't think anything would happen to you anyway. Off campus, on campus, I think this would have, this, the whole uh, momentum was to just kill the event, not to really harm you. And they succeeded. It ended. I didn't feel reassured when I didn't see support for you that was open. It was very muffled. The right to debate is sacred. I don't know if that's the message. I think it should be far more protective. Look, I, you know, I, I don't share your, you know, you know uh, harsh criticism of, uh, or like, like criticism, not necessarily harsh, of the administration because they were very supportive 
throughout the discussion during the day. So they were listening, they were taking uh, my, my so, so sorry, let me let me rephrase it. I meant the public. Yeah, not, not yeah, private could yeah, be yeah, actually a hundred percent. Yeah. Now now in the Republic uh, they haven't come out and say this is unacceptable. They said it is, you know, this is a place for public debate and all of that. But the action I would expect later, I would expect from is will come later. Huh? The first, the only action they took, which is which is not public to the society, but within EB, is to stop the list, the, the the academic list. So now we cannot send emails. Now it's symbolic, because it shows that they are disapproval of the kind of accusations that were made in that list. Yeah, and this is the level of institution. Huh? And of course, shutting the list, as I understand, is not a permanent thing. Mm. It's they want to set guidelines for what the list, how the, what what should be allowed or not allowed in the list in that mm. sense. So incitement of violence or, uh, or hatred, all of that should not be allowed from now on. How they're going to implement it, I don't know. But this is going to be part of a discussion within the Senate of the university, which is an elected body of, of, uh, of professors. But they took that position. And for me, it was a sign that the, that the university is not cancel only the thing because of a threat of violence or harm, but also took a stand by shutting the list. Maybe maybe you might think this is not enough. It has to be a message to the public, not only internally, that what happened is, is unacceptable. Uh, that is the wording yeah. that I didn't see written the, in a yeah, way that yeah, convinced yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was, a, there was a, 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 an action internally, which is not private, it's public, uh, that for, yeah. for, the, for the professors. And I think that some professors felt that thing, that felt that they have gone a bit too far. Uh, who? The people who were the, in the echo chamber. Yeah, Some of them yeah. felt that they have been. I think had it had not been the AUB took that step, they would not have felt that. Uh, so, mm. and and I think they have done something. Of course, maybe more needs to be done in terms of looking back at this and saying, okay, understand the cancellation. You might say, but the reaction wasn't uh, that the public ex, uh Presentation of, of the cancellation is, is weak. And I think that the internal public exposure was the public as the professors yeah, yeah. wasn't was 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 initial step was okay. Huh? Not to speak on behalf of anyone, it's not that it's it's if there's incitement to violence, yeah. I, for me that's that's sort of that's why not you get fired. I don't think of yes, that I, as I, th I think this this would have to so come, just come a little closer it, yeah, to the mic. Yeah, this this would have to come after if it's going to come after some kind of investigation. Mm. No? You mm -hmm. cannot simply accuse people of yeah. inside the violence without actually having met. Yeah. So if that is going to happen, it's going to be part of a process. Uh, mm. It will not be done, uh, and you can't come and say we'll fire people who uh, because you need to look at the case. Uh, yeah, you're not making it, so it's a responsible the university. would have to be, make things. So I, I'm. I can see how this their behavior is not weak. Mm. They are weak in a sense by the fact that they are being pressured into this because of the, you know, maddening crowd of some sort. Uh, so they really need to to react. They have to take a decision, uh, and it, they took the understandably the less risky decision, uh, to, given the environment that we are in.
there is in Western universities, especially American universities, what you call a cancel culture. People cancel speakers. Mm-hmm. This hasn't been all, always this case. Mm-hmm. This is a part of heightened sensitivity to hate speech. Mm-hmm. To, to, and this has become... Sometimes you know, not even hate speech. It's yeah, just yeah. problematic speech. Yeah, so, so it becomes to everything you don't like, you don't agree with. Uh, and you cancel the speaker. Uh, it's not like you cancel some far right mad person uh, who, who, who you know uh, wants to kick all Muslims out. So you just cancel anything that is not in your uh, uh, recognized set of of theories. And this is in, is a is a growing phenomenon, a new phenomenon, relatively in the history of universities. The cancel culture, of course, the the, the previous experience with cancel culture in the past was the, 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 the McCarthyism, uh, where you could be kicked out because you are a communist. Not, or not, even, no, not necessarily, you could just be accused of being a communist. Yeah, accused of being a communist, yeah, 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 for being, yeah. Accused of being communist, being sympathizer to the Soviet Union, to this and that. So basically you're kicked out. So it's a kind of McCarthyism, but not at the level of the state, but the level of academic institutions. Mm. And we are influenced by this. So, so our young professors, students who are exposed to these practices don't find them at all problematic to cancel, left and right. But so, this is not cancel culture, for sure. Yeah, but, 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 but let me just finish. That that kind of cancel culture is, is, is joined with another atmosphere here, which is, uh, uh, you know, oppression. Oppression by the mainstream societal uh, 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 attitudes towards debate. and, and So in a way, you would think that, I know one of the demonstrators who want to cancel this is someone who is part of the uh, LGBT community. Huh? And of course, you would imagine that somebody like that person would be, you know, sensitive to oppressing people huh? based on their stance, whether what how they present. So in a way, they would be, and they would be sensitive to joining the wider street, which is the wider street is not favorable to that person's position. Huh? You know, the people who would were chanting against me were not LGBT friendly. Many of them were mm-hmm. members of. Uh, you know, like that member, but they are close to Hezbollah in that sense, huh? so or to the Islamists who also don't want, as we saw lately, uh, to allow LGBT or lesbians to be present, to be living, to be not only not to have the rights, but they are against their existence as such. But the cancel culture is when it's when in the campus, what it combines with the general public opinion. It becomes kind of way a monster huh? because at least in the cancel culture in universities, you would at least be be doing a kind of invite to protect yourself, a safe space for you in the university, which you can't have outside. So you want a safe space in the university, so you you don't want people to 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 say things that make you uncomfortable because you're exposed to this outside in the world. So. Understand you're protecting yourself because you are among like-minded people. Understand how difficult this is to you, and therefore you want to create this kind of zone. Here you have a 
the chorus outside and the and the and the chorus inside joined together. Huh? The you know you, you get you know all kinds of people you know the conservative Sunni and Shia the leftist the academic all of them joining in one chorus not to create safe space for mm. people. Let me let me threaten stay stay for people. Let me challenge the assumption. Yeah. Uh, and I know I know exactly what you're talking about, and uh, that phenomenon, which is really the last few years, mostly in U.S. Uh, universities. I've always made the case that that cancel culture will never take off in Lebanon. This country is so damn tolerant towards absurdity. Yeah, yeah. In day-to-day life, the the kind of triggering situations. I'm going to borrow from their lexicon in the U.S. now that. People have tantrums over in the U.S. today and the sensitivity that has made a generation perhaps unfit for life there in academic circles. There's no, Lebanese are strong and they're tolerant and diverse and accepting for many, many things. And I would beg to differ on one thing. The cancel culture that you're describing, which, which fits, I think, a situation where people un, un, unfairly want to remove you from the scene. I don't think that was, was what was happening. I think really, at the end of the day, the Israeli response is so horrifying, and it's on our phones. And the average student on campus is taken away by scenes of pure misery. And people feel helpless. And people feel helpless in Lebanon for many things that are political local, regional, sometimes the expectations that have been dashed repeatedly. And the post-October 17 disaster, I think it's just the worst stage for someone trying to have political action available. One thing happened. This seminar was going to go ahead. It would have caused maybe a few ruffles, maybe some faculty would not have wanted to participate. Maybe students would have objected. It would have gone ahead. What happened, Bashar, is that someone within the AUB community decided to throw you and Israel into the same phrase. Someone in AUB decided to take advantage of the situation and hurt you. And organizing students to do that is horrible. And the good news is that not many students showed up. And the good news is that the chance faded quick. And what are we now? We're recording on a Tuesday. I think most people have forgotten that this thing happened. Cancel culture. There'd be a a protester at your door right now uh, demanding that the student remove you now and because of problematic language or problematic views. The one thing that happened, which is beyond all of our control, is that you were referred to as a Zionist. And that professor, foolishly perhaps, in one interview or two or whatever, referred to himself in a way that made sense to him, never thinking this would cause a philosopher pain in in Lebanon, referred to himself how he defines himself, an American Jew who doesn't want to see the destruction of Israel. He's a moderate Zionist. That makes sense to him? Fine. That's not your call. It's not your burden. That's what happened. It's not cancel culture. It's, it's, It's actually, it's slander. Uh, it's within this. It's within campus, and it's, it speaks ill, in my opinion. It speaks ill for what I refer to still 
as the only bastion of thought, debate, expression, which is AUB. I think I think it's it's not. It's, uh, I name my podcast after yeah. AUB, and yeah. seeing you for a moment afraid to me, that's I know cancel culture, and I know what Zionist attributes is, and it's it's what I think too many of us deal with that are not at AUB. You're called Amir. You're called Sahyuni. And if it has some uh, backing from otherwise perhaps problematic colleagues, it speaks more about them than anything else. Let, let me maybe, not disagreeing here, but you be had in the past uh, uh, episodes like that, no? uh, where people had to be stopped from teaching because or leave or because of the angry people outside. It happened with Jalal Sadiq Al-Azim when he wrote Naqdil Aqlidini. It happened with, I don't know, remember the name of a professor of uh, history or theology when he presented the views of Thomas Aquinas. Hmm. And, yeah, and, yeah and, that's true. And, yes. you know, Thomas Aquinas said bad things about <laughs> Islam and the Prophet yep. and he was saying, you know, like uh, uh, this is what Thomas, Thomas Aquinas for those. You're going back know, in AUB is, history is, now. Is, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is you know like a medieval uh, Catholic philosopher, one mm-hmm. of the most important ones. But he has you know uh, negative views of Islam, as it used to be the case for all these medieval uh, Christian uh, thinkers. Uh, you know, Saint Thomas Aquinas is a saint as well, as you wanted to, to say. And he presented the views of Thomas Aquinas, and outside it, it came to, the, to their ears that this is reached their ears as this professor is saying these things, not Thomas Aquinas. So they came and they came to arrest him. Yeah. And he and people said, this is not him who said it, it's Thomas Aquinas. And they wanted to arrest Thomas Aquinas. It's hard uh, to do. Which, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is a guy uh, <laughs> died centuries ago. Yeah. Uh, but they got him anyway. <laughs> but, but he had to leave and he left the country and never came back. Uh, and uh, so in those cases, there was no initiation from within the university by the faculty of that, which picked up, end up picked up by, yeah. by the outside. Yeah. In my case, it's a combination. The people, the professors are, for them, it comes natural, given the environment of cancel culture, to cancel talks. So the, so the, kind, the initiation comes from that kind of cancel culture having a root here. Mm. It got picked up by the outside, which is not into cancel culture. Uh, it is into their uh, fears, uh, uh, environment that's going on now. It could have been about something else, yeah. about, you know, uh, convincing people to be coercing women to become gays and lesbians to get sure. scholarship. Yeah. Could, could be everything. This one is more powerful, of course. But but I'm saying that this is a, this is a where there's two meet to get, do things to meet. Some kind of cancel culture attitude having a foot here among the faculty, meeting a, what you call the usual frustration in society that leads to these kinds of things. Frustration, misinformation, whatever you want to call it. I, I agree with you if it's solely on canceling the event. Yes. yes. But I, I don't think canceling the professor has become something mainstream, yeah. except for one person that we both know, 
who I think that could be a form of cancel culture a la Lebanese uh, Samir Khalaf. Yeah. That could be both Lebanese context of religion and and discrimination perhaps perhaps and then a general attitude that he no longer fits that could be a form of cancel culture years ago that before cancel culture was really something we referred to that's the one example i think of the one going back earlier although he returned eventually is kamal salibi when he decides to go on his journey into theology and yeah. israel below is somewhere in saudi arabia he's not canceled but his credentials are questioned and he doesn't really have a home anymore yeah. where he belongs albeit later it's fine that could be earlier versions of it i don't think anything that was happening to you was cancel culture i i really think it was just i don't think people knew who you were i think they found your name they start they went with it didn't matter if the guest was zionist or not khalas bashar haydar sahyuni I wasn't the one cancelled. The cancelled was the speaker. So in a technical <laughs> sense, I was cancelled a different way by the fact that they gave me that that label. You know, you were chased uh, out of your comfort zone, and he was cancelled by default. But AUB cancelled him, so fine. That that's their prerogative. I personally think it's a mistake. I think the strength would have been to go on, and I think they would have won the narrative at risk of yeah. these continued security threats yeah, I, I respect your view I'm not so confident that this is would have been the right thing for them to do I mean, mm. you know it's uh, too complicated to mm. judge it to, to, uh, so I cannot say they did the wrong thing mm. would have been better if the option of continuing would come at without a, a, a huge risk mm -hmm. of course mm -hmm. and I can't I'm not in a position to assess the uh, risk here so if you're so, not in a position I'm clearly not either yeah, yeah but, because but, you know these things yeah. are pretty Difficult to assess. You know, risk assessment is very risky. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you know what? I, I share that broader sentiment of fine, don't do the event, but stand up for your own. And especially when your own is not doing anything wrong. That's where as an outsider, and I'm glad you shared this a bit, that as an outsider, the communication was missing that one piece that I was looking for, but it's good to know that there is something happening anyway inside. Uh, but I don't feel so comfortable about uh, about what is going on, not just in AUB, but in the wider discussion. And I think that's where the conversation maybe brings us together, is that there's no nuance. And you can go to events that have nothing to do with politics or the war that's happening and it's become only this issue and nuance is nuance is destroyed it's it's blanket statements it's it doesn't reflect well of society and i think both of us have seen that marked decline in that there's a lost narrative which is moderation and sensibility now it's all extremism and applause. And I don't know if that's, uh, that's clearly beyond anyone's control. That's the context that we live in. But I see it seeping into the place that I thought was perhaps spared, which is yeah, AUB, which is where I met you, which is where I got to know many things that I wouldn't have 
outside of AUB. That's what hurts. I want a life that's worth living, and, and the one that I find now is being engaged intellectually uh, in the issues about the region, and I want to bring those issues in touch with uh, a rich discussion uh, about ethical issues, which is my area of, of, of interest. I want that to be, to shed light on the, on the things that really, the, the challenges that face this, the people in this region. Uh, not because uh, I'm patriotic or anything like that, because this is a passion for me, and I interested deeply in the in the affairs of, uh, and I want to bring my expertise to to shed light on that. Uh, so it's difficult for me if I leave. It will be uh, I will leave to think about the same thing somewhere else. But it's better to be here and think about them while you're here. I'm not deterred by these things, uh, by, 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 I, 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 to some extent, create controversies, see controversies. I'm not the one who shies away this easily. This one, the reaction was too much, was more than I expected and more than I would have liked to, to be part of my daily existence. Of course not. But I hope things will calm down and I don't think there is a reason to to quit at this at this point. Uh, definitely these things make one's life more difficult and one's profession was difficult. Now I have to think every time I want to bring something which the others don't like. Am I, am I going to create a controversy? I'm going to create a problem. Uh, this doesn't make you able to function in, this, in the way you want, but it, it would still allow you to do something, I think, and I would like to do that. I enjoy teaching students. I enjoy writing about the things I, I write about. Unfortunately, most of my audience for the things I write are not in Lebanon. It's what I write in my profession as a philosopher. Uh, but uh, And I want to bring part of that to the Lebanese audience, but it's not that easy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I uh, and maybe the most important reason why I wouldn't leave is because I'm procrastinator and lazy, <laughs> you know, so that, so it will take time to, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, I, I don't take initiatives in that sense of changing life. Uh, now I know you're so, not going to go anywhere. So, so, so that's, that's what, if you want assurance, it's basically being procrastinator and lazy. That, that would, that would uh, probably play the most important role, be not leaving AUV. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.